Chris, I rolled a three. A three? Andy, today we'll be talking about what location or time would make a great RPG setting. Ooh, what a delightfully open-ended question. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. I'm Andy Rao. And uh, friends, this week we have a normal episode for you. Woohoo! Yeah, <laughs> Andy's excited. Um, so this is actually going to be, oh, we were doing the math, this will be our last normal episode of the year. Um, the next two are going to be our holiday special episodes. So if you've been with Roll for Topic for its long storied career i guess you'll you'll know that around the holidays we like to try to do uh do something special um and that is a uh, designing a dungeon on air and then playing through that dungeon um in the next episode so the the episode after this one is going to be all about us doing that that live design um together we, we do it collaboratively um on air it usually goes great we'll see if <laughs> see if a third time's a charm and then the episode after that we'll actually be playing through it and i think that'll that might actually drop on Christmas Day or like just before. So you'll have something to listen to if you're trying to ignore your family, I guess, is, is the upshot there. Yeah, so you can tell your loved ones that you you already are getting the only Christmas present you really want, which is yes. a new episode of Roll for Topic. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, please, I hope that is not, not the highlight of your, your Christmas, <laughs> but we'll take it, I guess. Um, yeah. So, uh, Andy, I'm actually pretty excited about this this topic that we rolled for like a couple of reasons. So this has been on the table for a while now, and we actually ended up rewording it a little bit. So I don't know if you remember this, but at one point this, uh, this was worded, uh, what historical time setting would uh, you like to set yes. an RPG in? And every time anyone looked at it, they got really nervous <laughs> about it. And I think it was because they saw historical and they were like, Oh no, I have to know my history <laughs> on this. Yeah. So instead we re- reworded it to, you know, what location or time would make a great RPG setting. Yeah, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Andy. Like, what's your, like, number one, this is this is the perfect time, time period to set an RPG? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I wasn't expecting to, you know, be called out right at the beginning of the discussion. Well, so thank, yeah. thank you, co-host. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, well, there's a lot of great settings out there, you know, and as I go through a typical month, like, probably at least three times I something jumps out at me as like, wow, that would be such a cool RPG setting if uh, we could manage it. Um, I know we're not going to limit our discussion here to just kind of historical time periods, but there's some time periods that just seem ripe to be done in an RPG that I haven't seen much of. One is kind of the time of the Fourth Crusade, I would say. Just a a lot of interesting stuff is going on. And I've long felt that even though there are there are a couple of rpgs that have gone there i felt just that the ancient world in general is underused as an rpg setting and by that Hmm. i'm talking about you know like ancient mesopotamian kingdoms uh there's a lot of just rich there's a lot of cool history going on and there's a lot of it's a it's a perfect time period if you kind of want to meld sort of a real history and sort of mythic or mythological um, ideas. Yeah, I was going to ask you along those lines. I mean, it, the the location and time, like you know, th- that sort of setting, is the interest for you the the actual historical events or like the the feel or the technology? Well, that's a good question. So, generally speaking, it's it's the feel that the time period evokes in me that is mm-hmm. most exciting. Like, would it be fun to? 
participate or to role play in a game set around some really specific historical events, yeah, I'm sure it would Mm -hmm. be. But mostly it's just the feel, like whether it's like the Fourth Crusade, whether it's like the feel of of massive change going on or whether Mm -hmm. it's in the ancient world, it's that feel that this is the time of heroes and gods walking the land, uh, you know, before... Well, civilization was in its early, um, you know, taking its first baby steps. So those are some neat feelings that I'm I'm just kind of babbling here. But before we kind of move on, let me just quick turn that back at you and say, is there a setting historical or otherwise that you think would be a cool RPG? Yeah, the the tricky thing about this is like if you open it up to like time for me, my mind immediately jumps to like far future stuff, Mm -hmm. Uh, far future or like like really far like distant past I, should, I guess i should say so like yeah thinking about like dawn of time sort of like setting um yep yeah like i don't know if that means like we're all playing dinosaurs or what but like something mythological i think would be be kind of interesting to play out like yeah telling a creation myth together as an rpg um and then like far future that's just because i mean like i don't know i grew up playing like sci-fi um, video games and stuff so that's that's always yeah. where my brain ends up going but if you if we're gonna like ground it in a time period do you remember i'm sure it's still going the webcomic wonder mark at all uh it i vaguely yeah the artist of that uh i think david Malky, um i think is his name um so he he cuts out like old victorian era um advertisements and stuff like that to build um build the webcomic uh, so like he'll cut out an advertisement of like, you know, two, two ladies in a ladies magazine or something and then have them talk to each other Okay, like that. Anyway, I'll just say, so he did a talk in Ann Arbor once that I went to, um, where he talked about like that 18th century, um, had a lot of these like inventor types in it who are like super into like racing balloons and doing kind of all that, that sort of stuff. It's always stuck out to me as that would be a fun time period. I think to set something in that like around the, around the world in 80 days style, setting and i'm sure there's a million settings for this but i think i just like the idea of of like having a party full of like balloonists (laughs) bouncing around you know you know bouncing around from like country to country you know having adventures together like steampunk but a little bit more like whimsical and less like punky maybe yeah like almost no punk at all i think would be yeah it's (laughs) it's not not about the brass and the buttons it's more about the like the limitless possibilities of um helium (laughs) (laughs) so i hope that as we talk i want us to i want us to drop periodically if we just think of a cool setting that we Mm -hmm. think i want us to drop that into the conversation so i i hope you'll share more but i do have a question uh to kind of keep us rolling here so we have we have talked at times in past episodes about some settings that don't really work for us uh versus settings that do and so i want to revive a discussion we've had in the past because it's still one I think about regularly. Why is Star Wars such a gameable setting? And why is <laughs> Dune not a gameable setting? Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm asking yeah. here is, what makes for a setting that is exciting to think about role-playing in? Mm-hmm. And why are there so many cool setting ideas that just don't seem like they would be very fun to play in? So we can talk about Dune and Star Wars 
because I think those are big ones, or we mm -hmm. can just talk about the question in other terms. Do you have any opening uh, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, let's uh, let's slag off Dune for a second. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the the new like I liked the book um, back when I read it, and I love the new movie quite a bit. Um, and I've I've never seen the 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 cool one back in the eighties that everybody says is good, but probably isn't. Um, but the... oh no, it's good. No, they okay. they all, all say right. it's not good, but it's actually secretly good. Okay, all right. So maybe maybe I'll watch it sometime. But like, uh, so Dune is a very sparse planet i mean obviously right but like you you only have like a handful of of characters that are really reduced to like these civilizations i guess like these civilizations as characters right so like yeah like the you know the house of trades is just like very much its own specific thing right like so you only have what five or six of those at play in dune something like that whereas star wars like right like the cantina scene right that jumps out to you and there's what 50 different sorts of creatures in there yeah. and like it's very tantalizing to think about i think like each of those can have this whole history like why are they in this cantina and then like what is you know what are their societies like and all that so i think for me the gameable part about that is more um along the lines of like all these like limitless possibilities whereas mm -hmm. dune feels very constrained yeah yeah i had so i've read through the recently released dune rpg which is mm. a really neat rpg and it did kind of even after reading it i was not really sure what i was supposed to do in the dune setting yeah um because i mean what can you do on arrakis that wasn't done already by a much cooler character in the books there's like a limited number of awesome things to do on arrakis and paul atreides does them all in yeah. the course of the novel dune so so i decided to read some of the like dune prequels written by frank herbert's son and they mm -hmm. are kind of widely panned and i i'm not going to go to bat for their literary quality but i will say reading them i it's something clicked in my mind and i was like oh my goodness i know now i know what to do in the dune setting hmm. and the answer is uh don't go to the planet dune like tell <laughs> yeah. tell a dune like story like with new planets and new houses that you've made up um mm. in the style that dune you know dune has every planet has like you know one incredibly overwhelming geographical feature or gimmick to it yeah. each house has like one strong like moral you know core that it follows so the fun of being dune is like telling your own story in the style of dune at least that was what struck me so yeah, like it's... actually leaving leaving the source material a little bit, but while being inspired by it. It's hard to think about Dune and not, um, right. So unless you're going to be Paul running around doing all the cool stuff immediately, like it's really a story about like late stage capitalism and efficient markets and stuff. It's like, it's super, <laughs> super boring, right? Like they're going to Arrakis to, to like mine stuff. Right. It's like, it's not like, if that story went well and there wasn't a big war and all that stuff, it would have been a story about like, you know, production and spreadsheets and like yields and, and things like that. Right. Mm, so I think like yeah. at, at its heart, it's sort of a boring concept for like a, a tabletop role playing game, like an amazing concept, I think for like a Starcraft style, like <laughs> RTS, <laughs> yes. RTS game. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like you have to kind of step out of that. You know, by the way, that Dune actually started the RTS 
Genre? Yes. Yeah, yes. I did. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Sorry, everybody. I tried to avoid um, video game talk, but yeah. we, it, well, we got you you avoided it. I I forced us back. Walked us right into it. Like I guess for like Star Wars, though, right? I mean, it sounds like you would have a lot of ideas for games in that universe, right? Yeah, I I would not have any trouble coming up with something to do in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> would you have trouble make, doing that Dune game? Like, right, so like you, you know that you have the angle on it, but like would the process of sitting down to come up with your own houses and your own, each of their moral codes and that, would that be fun for you? I think it would. I mean, you would, it would have to be with a group of players that bought into that as well. Mm-hmm. And not with a group of players that were thinking, we're going to all be members of House Atreides and we're going to go to Planet Dune and fight Harkins. Well, Paul saves saves the universe, right? I, I I would be up for it with the right group of people for sure. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it'd be like my first choice of games to run right now, but <laughs> yes, you yeah. know, I I would have fun with that too. What do you think about this as a defining characteristic of a gameable or interesting setting? That the setting is on the brink of major change. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think for me, what is exciting, I'm thinking about like, uh, so like I'd never run a World War II game. Like there's just, it's almost, it's not, not interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. like as a, as a setting, like as a horrifying thing that happened. Yeah. Like that's, it's good to study and all that, but like it's, it's not as interesting to me. And I think it's because it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of individual human stories you can tell about it. Um, if that makes any sense. Like, yes, there are a lot of individual human stories, but, also, when you, a lot of those stories, like everybody's sort of like wearing the same clothes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's a lot of like us versus them. There is nuance there, but there's also kind of isn't nuance. Like, so for me, it just, it loses a lot of interest um, right away. But yeah, but I think going back to what you're saying, yeah, like on the brink of change. And I think a lot of people like, and I think if you can de- define different groups and different people that have different ideas of what that change means and how to get to it. My teenager, you know, over the years has invested a fair amount of time in kind of creating a fictional world where they write short stories and they do little games and role-playing things with their friends. And a lot of their friends do that too. And one of the things I have taken to asking them when they give me updates about the setting is like, so what, so what's going to break this? Like you've just described a cool magical kingdom. So what, what is about to happen that changes everything you just told me or casts it in a new light uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or threat, you know, or what new technology is coming out that's changing it? What, what new threat is coming out of nowhere that's, um, that's changing everything? And I mean, I don't know that that has to be a question you ask about every setting, but I don't know always that the PCs need to be on the edge of that change exactly. Mm-hmm. but there's just something about having that in the background, like kind of being in a liminal state between the world as it used to be and the world as it's about to be. For me, that is just exciting on a general level. And so even if the PCs are just beating up thugs in a warehouse, it makes a difference if they're doing that when magic is dying and steam technology is uh, rising versus when they're just doing that and nothing cool is going on in the background. No, I'm totally with you. I mean, we're like, we're far afield from history at this point, but it's, um, yeah, like I think about the book series that I really like, like, I mean, Harry Potter, which is problematic at the, at the moment for a lot of reasons, but I mean that, 
you get like one book where the world is sort of calm and like a lot of the world building happens and then from there it's just like it's a slow dismantling of of what's <laughs> like all the stuff that you feel comfortable with and all the stuff that you've grown to to like in you know, like one or two books it's just like yeah it's just this unraveling and then by the end you're not even at hogwarts anymore right it's yeah. just like yeah um but i mean if you had just if you had 20 books that were just like people at hogwarts it'd be pretty boring very fast you know yeah. i think the same thing same thing with uh with gaming too yeah it's like if if things are at a stasis it's it's less interesting i mean i think like that's where all the conflict happens too right even in in in, in games like you need a king who's gone mad and who's you know trying to do you know, battle someone else or you know or you know upset some sort of god you know like you need conflict to happen i think for for role-playing games to happen and like a, a big technological change or a big, like, yeah, some sort of historical change is, is a great, great way to introduce that. Yeah. That one of my favorite little um, setting elements from an RPG is from the 13th age RPG, which like the opening dozen or so pages introduce you to the gods of the setting. If you know 13th age, you know, I'm, I'm uh, eliding over a lot of details here, but <laughs> But each each kind of deity who is responsible for kind of upholding a part, an aspect of creation is described. And then the last thing on the page is there's a section that says everything will be fine unless and then it fills in the blank. So whatever, here's the elf. I'm making this up. The elf queen uh, who, you know, rules her forest kingdom. Everything will be fine unless... The god of thieves like steals her palantir and casts the forest, and <laughs> you know, and it's like that for everyone. That everything will be fine unless um, somebody manages to unite the orc hordes for the first time ever, uh, and they be, you know. And I think that's a fun way to think to take a setting, even mm-hmm. one that's kind of boring, and ask yourself like, what what could be about to happen here that's going to like shake this up? Would you do you like? those sorts of things being really obvious, right? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about, um, well, I'm thinking about Final Fantasy, but let's ab- abstract that a little bit. But we're, like, we're all thinking about Final Fantasy all the time. Okay, well, okay. Taking Final Fantasy, like, a lot of those have the, of like, crystals sort of at the core of their, their stories. And it's usually, like, the crystal is upholding some sort of energy power whatever the crystal breaks or someone steals it and it you know like it's it's a super obvious inciting event right like you have this physical object that has been stolen or broken in some way and like that that makes magic go wild like that do you like that or do you would you do you enjoy it being a little bit more subtle than that where it's like i don't know like a king dies and the you know the heir to the throne is um not a very nice person um, I think, you know, generally speaking, I like more subtle stuff. You know, of course, it depends exactly who you're playing with and what you're trying to do with your session and whether it's a one shot or a long campaign. But like, for example, uh, Middle Earth is a setting that at the time of Lord of the Rings is on the cusp of great change. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that that there is a MacGuffin, out, a magic MacGuffin out there that everyone that will destroy the world. Right. But mm-hmm. what's what I find, you know, more compelling about the setting is the stuff that's changing in the background, right? The elves are finally leaving. Magic is going away. Um, the world is finally moving on from its kind of magical, mythical past into this new age of man and technology. 
And that hangs, you know, in the background throughout the Lord of the Rings without being the most obvious MacGuffin-based, you know, uh, pivot point, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, generally speaking, more subtle. You know, if you are talking something like a video game, you know, you probably do need to, like, oh, no, the Dark Lord stole the medallion of, of, of Zork and now... Oh, geez, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I know. And it's instantly yeah. compelling, right? Just, like, give me my gun and point me in the right direction. <laughs> I'm getting the medallion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to uh, shift gears a little bit and, like, talk about some, like, some some real world stuff. Um, yeah. So I guess my first question for you is, have you ever set a, a session in Michigan? We, we both live in Michigan, listeners, so I'm just curious. Like, have you ever set something in, in your town or in Michigan? I have not run a game set in, like, my real world locale. But I have played mm-hmm. in a couple games I did. I played in a game of a Hunter, a White Wolf game. Hunter the Vigil, I think, is the the more recent of the iterations of Hunter that was explicitly mm-hmm. set in Grand Rapids, where I live. And so mm-hmm. that's a game about, like, reclaiming your hometown, like, block by block from, oh, you know, supernatural cool. threats. So that was pretty fun. The game didn't last very long, so it, I, it didn't really realize its potential. But um, mm-hmm. And I've played in at least one, like, convention game that was, like, a zombie game set in, uh, I forget the town we were in but whatever town the convention was in so um yeah what about you and and then also why why do you ask i guess oh yeah um i don't think i have ever played something set in michigan i just ask because it's it's really fascinating to me that there are places that we we sort of know instinctively right like you know you know grand rapids like you know michigan like the fauna the flora you know the the layout of stuff like the the coastline all that sort of stuff but it's like it's not the first thing that we reach for yeah um in games and like i do wonder if it would be a nice shorthand like i've thought about doing a game that just uses the map of michigan as sort of the world map right like because i mean it's it's an interesting shape right like mm-hmm. you have you have water like you have obvious spots where towns could be stuff like you know there's there's some uh some nice built-in geography there as well um yeah so i don't know i'm just i'm just curious about that like why uh like these are places that we we live in you know but they're not um places that we're reaching for at all (laughs) as a a good place to set, set a story yeah it's an interesting question you know and i mean it might be different if we lived in a place that was you know had a deeper history of big historical stuff going on you know Mm -hmm. i mean cool history stuff happened in michigan i'm not bagging on (laughs) the hand the mitten shaped state but um but you know i don't know maybe if we live you know if we lived in rome or venice or something like that you know um it might seem a little less weird to set a game there but uh (laughs) do venetian teenagers like hate living (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, can't (laughs) wait to get out of this this backwater (laughs) When I was younger, I did a reasonable amount of traveling around, and my I definitely got the impression that no matter where you are, your teenagers like would do anything, hate it, <laughs> and will do anything to get out. Like no matter who live in the richest historical cultural yeah. hotspot in all of history, and uh, and your teenagers are bored and want to leave. But yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of great movies about, you know, like movies and TV shows about uh, kids having adventures in their hometown Yeah. Um, too. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I don't know, like it's, it's making me pause and say like, would it be fun to set a game in Ann Arbor in the 1950s? You know, like you could go back, you could find 
find maps of what the city looked like then, you know, cause there could be a fun, fun little local history element to it, which as I say that, that sounds like the, the most boring and nerdy thing <laughs> to, to lay on your players. No, I don't think so. What's funny is I've, for like my Call of Cthulhu games, I've, I did one kind of extended mini campaign set in New York and I really got a, I really enjoyed digging into like, yeah, the his finding maps of 1920s New York, learning about what it was like to live in 1920s New York. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like, you know, doing that same level of research for Grand Rapids or Ann Arbor or whatever, it doesn't have the thrill of excitement you might expect from the idea of like, hey, I want to explore my hometown from a mm-hmm. different historical angle. I don't know why that is exactly. And maybe I just need to get off my high horse and, and try it. <laughs> you know, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, there's something to be said about like, uh, some other place you can you can um gloss over some details that you might not be able to yeah and, right because I, I could see a game set in ann arbor like if i was playing with ann arborites and like we were playing in ann arbor there'd end up being a lot of like talk about um you know like roads and <laughs> like transit and stuff like yeah you know you'd, you'd get into you'd get into these like side conversations pretty easily i think about like oh like you know like let's go down to where the dairy queen used to be um you know like those sorts of conversations um yeah, yeah. but i mean that could also be really fun it's like oh wow like we just stumbled on this this vast field and like oh that field you know right now like that's that's the mall right <laughs> like yeah. you know it's, what do you <laughs> Uh, okay. But anyway, so setting that aside, um, uh, I'm thinking about like other, other time periods in American history, um, that would be, be gameable or not otherwise. Like I was thinking about like the revolutionary war as possibly like an interesting, yeah, interesting time period. Um, I don't know enough about it to, <laughs> to really do, yeah. do much I, in that setting. I have a couple comments about that real quick. First, I wanted to say, I actually just picked up a game set in the revolutionary war. Um, mm-hmm. Flames of Freedom. Oh yeah, you mentioned that I think last time. Yeah. And we we even like kind of well well like celebrated it last episode yeah. because our friend Kyle Latino did some of the maps in it. Mm-hmm. And that's a game about the Revolutionary War. And that is it is a little hard to think of events in American history that like took place here in America that jump out as like really exciting RPG settings, you know? There's mm-hmm. most historical stuff like most RPGs I know, I guess Call of Cthulhu set in America in like mm-hmm. various time periods, but mostly 1920s New England. Um, but I don't know, you know, most games I can think of where you like play Americans either now or in history, you're like some kind of agent or detective, yeah. uh, you know, and not necessarily staying in America, you know, just traveling around America during a certain decade or something like that. So what's interesting to me about like a flames of freedom um, in the revolutionary war is not really the actual like war itself, which I find interesting, but doesn't scream like make an RPG out of me to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the kind of some of the cultural, like, so flames of freedom makes the wise choice to, um, bring a sort of um, Hawthorne-esque, like, dark <laughs> supernatural presence into the setting. And so Flames of Freedom, is it takes place, like, during the Revolutionary War, but, um, you know, your missions are not to, like, go fight a bunch of redcoats. You know, you're doing something else while in the background 
occasionally affecting your life, you know, this bigger conflict um, plays yeah. out. That's my, yeah. like, I'm not doing justice to Flames of Freedom, which is like a 700-page RPG. So you can go read that yourself. But um, all that to say, like, interestingly, for, like, well, the Revolutionary War, and you could also say, like, the Civil War or something like that, those things sound interesting. But, like, to me, they sound more interesting as, like, things that are happening in the background and affecting your character's, like, outlook and um, perspective mm-hmm. rather than events that I would really want to have a party of PCs, like, actively participating in. The part of this question that, that makes me nervous, and I alluded to at the beginning of this this conversation when we were, we were sort of talking about the setup, is, like, the, the thought of doing something, like, historical, like, set in a, in a his, historical setting is that you have to know a little bit about it or you have to be very purposeful about saying like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, which is like, I mean, I guess you could, but I think for some people who maybe know a bit, a bit more about history, like that's just like, it's a non-starter. Like how could you, how could yeah. you not dive in deep <laughs> on, would, on that? Would you be happy like running a game set in Rome, for example, like, so say around the, let's say Rome at the, around the time of Julius Caesar or something like that. Would you be happy mm-hmm. running a game like that, like going mostly on the feel you want to evoke? Or would you feel obliged to like go to the library and check out some books on Rome and get your Roman street maps correct and your and your Roman governors and officials and stuff like that correct? Yeah, I think I would. Or I would at least feel sheepish about not doing it. I think I would then be falling back on um, depictions of, of that time period in movies and stuff. And I think it'd be very easy for me to just go towards like, uh, like what Monty Python did or Mel Brooks did, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. The, the kind of the jokey versions of it um, instead. And then, then it kind of falls apart a bit for me. Yeah. Was, yeah what about like you? Would you? Would yeah. You that's, maps? you know, I, there are a number of, I really love world war two and a couple of other settings. Um, Rome, Um, but outside there's time periods I would love to play in that I haven't specifically because I just don't feel like I could get a good enough handle on the history. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really like Japanese history. I would love to run like a historical samurai game. It's on my to-do list before I die. And the only reason I haven't is because I get intimidated every time I start thinking seriously about doing it because, if if I want to run a real historical game, that means putting in the work to like get it right. And what, the thing about historical RPGs, and this is a little bit of a side tangent or rant, but um, a lot of games are not really good at telling you what you actually need to know to play plausibly in a historical setting. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of great historical RPGs, but um, I want to pick like. World War Two, as an example, you pick up one of the many, like, perfectly good RPGs about World War Two out there, and what will you find? You will find like timelines of major events of the war, and you will find like breakdowns of the technology and weaponry and stuff like that on each side. What you won't find are things like, what was it like to live in this culture? Like, what yeah. songs were popular on the radio? How hard was it to get food? What what kind of food did you do? Were there restaurants you could go to? What kind of car did you probably have? Were there phones? Uh, you know, how <laughs> yeah. if you wanted to travel 
um, across the country, how would you do it? And could you, you know, like real practical questions. And Mm. some games like Call of Cthulhu have been around long enough that they have had the opportunity to go into that kind of depth so that like there's some good games the call of cathedral rule books have gotten pretty good about this and there's some good supplements that really go into like you know what's it like to live in this time period how and it, that helps you play a character who really truly feels like they belong there but mm-hmm. an awful lot like you know with my samurai games i have a couple of games um built around playing uh, in a feudal japanese setting and yeah i don't need to know about like the different wars really i need to know what did what did you eat and like where did you get your food and these sorts of details that make the setting come to life at least that's a little side rant on my part but um no that i mean that makes a ton of sense yeah i mean i was even like as soon as you brought up yeah doing something in feudal japan just thinking about like yeah like i would have no idea how to role play that without falling back on stereotypes again from from media and stuff just like i don't know like what yeah yeah Yeah, well you know what would i wear you know like what would i do yeah. yeah, I mean, and all these books, they'll have, like, a, a big section about, like, the Code of Bushido and the, mm-hmm. you know, all the, like, the famous stuff you kind of already know. They'll go into sometimes good detail about it, but then you don't have any sense of, like, so if I meet someone, you know, if I cross paths with someone on the road, like, what does that look like? You know, what does mm-hmm. that interaction look like? Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just kind of a side rant, and I want to be... I wanted, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, or kind of throw one more thing in your direction, if you don't mind. And that is one thing I think makes a good setting is, does this setting support the idea of like a kind of roving band of adventurers? You know, whatever, whatever roving band of adventurers looks like, you know, does the setting play well to that concept, to the, like, to the setup that rpgs have that you're with a group of kind of problem solvers or um trouble seekers um or agents or investigators or whatever i'm i'm Mm -hmm. not talking here about kind of the specialized games that don't uh, follow that setup but most games you're you're in a party with other pcs and you you need to be doing something or solving something Mm -hmm. and obviously people like that exist in every time period but I do think that some time periods make for much more uh, clear, like on ramps into that deep, that familiar RPG experience than others do. A number of science fiction settings that are fantastic settings. I'm thinking of um, the transhuman space uh, setting by Steve Jackson Games, and um, to some extent the Eclipse phase uh, setting. Mm-hmm. These well, these deep well thought out interesting huge and vast science fiction things that that don't have enough of a hook of like how why are you in a band of like roaming adventures and what sort of thing are you doing right Mm -hmm. um if like there's a lot of settings i think where the there's so many options that i kind of wish that they would restrict the options a little bit um a little bit more than they do and yeah. i don't know i think some settings just lend themselves a little bit better to that can now i've just ranted for several long minutes there yeah go ahead and respond <laughs> no that's all really good yeah i mean yeah just as you're, you're talking i'm thinking about um yeah how you'd fit that in i think for me the the thought that keeps on popping up is like your your adventuring party is always going to be on the like the outside 
of what's really going on. Like it's not, it's not fun if you're in a science fiction setting to play a bunch of like, you know, corporate drones who you are, who are working for Megacorp to, to, you know, generate money. Like it's the fun part is playing the hackers, right. Or it's like playing the, the criminals, um, you know, it's playing the, the, like the, um, the smugglers, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of things that are on the periphery, like whether or not they are illegal or not. I mean, I think it's a, a separate conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can have, like, you know, if that's, that's good or not at your table. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about like one, uh, one shot that I ran a while ago that I'm sure I've talked about a bunch, bunch on the show. The, the party, um, were a bunch of like traveling musicians that were traveling, mm. like they were traveling entertainers. Right. Like, and that is something that it's built in. They're going to go around. Like they're probably going to be a little bit scrappy because they have to, you know, travel from town to town and, set up shop and like you put on performance and collect money and then figure out a way to get to the next town, you know, that sort of stuff. Like it's like those slightly more human and grounded elements in a setting are really to me, like where all the interesting stuff happens. It's not, it's not sitting around a conference room table in the, the King's court necessarily it's like yeah it's the stealing the bread off the <laughs> off the table yeah yeah because you know? like yeah you need to find find a way to eat so. well awesome i think we, we should wrap up we've been going for a while here and mm-hmm. yeah. uh yeah so do you have any closing thoughts on that uh why don't we you know tell you what i'm going to be more specific why don't we close by you naming one more uh setting historical or or from a work of fiction or just an idea that you have that you would enjoy playing in or running a game <laughs> in um the thing that just came to mind, and this is probably not what I want to do, but it just came to mind. Uh, do you know? Do you remember Gem and the Holograms? Yes, I do. Like yeah. That I was just thinking about, like uh, a early two thousands um, girl band. Like I think would be a really fun, fun setting to play in. That uh, that actually sounds fantastic. Like, so yeah. what are the odds you would ever like put that together as a one shot? Uh, probably pretty low, although now that I'm thinking about it, like Josie and the Pussycats is an awesome movie. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff. I, I think I'm just like, I've been on a kick listening to, uh, so like, I mean, like everybody else in the universe listening to Taylor Swift's um, re-releases that she's been doing. Okay. And uh, also Adele dropped an album recently too. And I'm just thinking about like Adele and Taylor Swift teaming up to do something. <laughs> just would be <laughs> like something about like that, like, pop star turned double agent just sounds super fun right now yeah yeah all right what about you oh yeah Yeah. oh i don't know there's almost too many to mention um i a setting i i want to figure out how to do it right and i i really want and so if you know how to do this right please tell me is um is john le carre style spies so Mm. not james bond and uh who are the other guys? Jason Bourne and and yeah and Mission Impossible stuff. But the how, I how do you capture like that setting is just dripping with atmosphere and and dread and doom and tension and mm-hmm. how do you get that without the like car chases through you know <laughs> Prague or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, oh, that'd uh, be so fun. Yeah. yeah. I, so if you know how to do that, uh, that's a See, I don't know if that's a good gameable setting or not. Like the obviously the James Bond version of that is a very great and easy gameable setting. And that's why mm-hmm. every spy RPG that I'm aware of is, you know, is is, is a James Bond RPG. Yeah. Um, but 
anyway. Oh, there's got to be a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's got to be a way. Just like people double and triple crossing each other yes. at every every possible moment. Every conversation being like five conversations at the same time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd All right. So good. please write in and tell me what game I haven't seen that does that perfectly. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so otherwise, that's going to continue to be my white whale as, as far as <laughs> RPG settings. But. You're gonna have to just that'll be your retirement project is just <laughs> finishing that. There you go. That's perfect. Okay. Well, hey, let's wrap up. Um, it's been good chatting, Chris. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, the next two episodes are going to be our special holiday episodes, and mm-hmm. I do encourage you to tune in, uh, especially mm-hmm. if you're tired of hearing me and Chris drone on about topics like this. Uh, you can mm-hmm. hear us uh, drone on as we create and then run an adventure. So yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and just real quick on that, because I know a lot of people will be traveling when those those things come out. Um, so, like, just as a note, we always try to be family-friendly with, with Roll for Topics. So if you're like, oh, my goodness, I have a four-hour drive, you know, what are we going to listen to as a family? Um, if you can convince them that this is a fun <laughs> thing to listen to, um, it, it will be at least family-friendly. We can promise you that. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good um, point. You know, that, and that is, yeah, the side yeah. issue, but more... More game podcasts should <laughs> stop yeah. having so many swears. That, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, I uh, all right. Go ahead and uh, why don't you do our sign off here, Chris? Yeah, well, um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rowe. And remember, if your players have been fun, you're a great GM.